You know, I've shared with you a hundred times how I don't know most of the time what the Lord has. This morning is another one of those times. But I know this morning is special. I don't know exactly why, but I know it's special because he told me to take my shoes off. So many things we plan to do. So many things that we plan to say in lining up our lives. But God. But God. Because when you have a heart... that just wants Him and wants nothing else, your life is going to boil down to but God. It's what He wants. Where we are in Acts, is probably one of the most important things that ever happened in history to most of us. And most of, and you'll, you'll know what I mean in a minute. But I want to pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before You in absolute love for You and Your Son and Your Holy Spirit. We come in obedience to the fact that we seek You. And we come in expectation to Your Word that says, when we seek You, we'll find You. Lord, I don't exactly know what it is this morning that You want declared in Your courts. But in obedience, Father, as we begin, I ask the humble submission into Your courts. That You would allow me clean robes to speak before Your throne. To declare that my mouth is Yours and it is none other's. Father, thank You for this submission. Thank You for the allowance. And Father, I ask that Your will be done. Your will be done in this place as You have declared it. 
that these are a people that you will do your will through simply because they've said yes. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get into this, I I just want to share with you something that is very dear to me. And what comes to my mind at the beginning is a joke. And uh, the joke is what Josh had said to me earlier when I told you all that it was Alexa's birthday today and that she is 29 years old. Josh leans over and he said, you're a greater robber. (laughs) Okay, so let me clear the slate with that, please. (laughs) Yes, I get older. I look older. She just keeps getting younger and looking younger. I think this will be a problem for me later on. (laughs) But that's okay because I think it's the thing nowadays, right? To, to marry someone half your age? <laughs> well, she's... Okay, 29 is not half my age. All right, let me make that clear right away. 29 is not half my age. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you don't have a microphone. Appreciate that. You'll get there too. But I do want you to know how precious she is to me. Because, amen. That's right. I wanted to say this because in the past I've been able to write it to her. Now you can't read my handwriting because I shake so bad. It's like that. So, so my, my notes to her are shorter and shorter when the content gets greater and greater. See, she is the one who started this whole thing with me. And I don't, I don't mean Ignition Church. I mean this walk. And it started almost 30 years ago when we got married. But it was in her desire to not just walk in obedience, and I don't mean obedience to me, I mean obedience to the Lord, but to walk with a partner, with somebody that, She loved and loved her. So, you guys don't get to see the sacrifice that she makes. That she doesn't get the accolades for. I do, because I stand up here. But she doesn't. And I just want you to know, it's because of her is why I'm here. It's because of her strength that I can stand here in confidence before the Lord. That is the greatest gift God can give to a person is somebody who loves the Lord as much as you do and builds a partnership with you in life willing to go 
on the same crazy path. Now, you've got to understand, she's not built like me in that way. To go down a crazy path is, that's who I am. It's not who she is. So the sacrifice for her in our lives has been much greater than me. It's important that you know that because she and I co-pastor this. We co-founded this. And she is the real strength behind what you see up here. And I am just amazed and thankful for her. Should we close in prayer? (laughs) Amen. We're in Acts chapter 9. And and actually, I'm not going to go through the end of chapter 9 because I want to get to chapter 10. I know that's what the Lord wants. In in chapter 9... Um, uh, there, there is, there is a healing and then there's also a resurrection. Um, I don't mean to belittle those by any stretch. I, I encourage you to read those. Um, and, and they're, they're very powerful, powerful miracles. But I want to get to chapter 10. Because the event that happens in chapter 10 is what changed your life and my life. Because it is when God opened up His Word, His Gospel, His love, His plan. He finally revealed His plan, not just through Israel, but opened it up to the Gentiles. Let's start in verse 1 of chapter 10. And I'm going to read through a lot of this. And then we're going to come back and talk about it. At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. A devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision... Now recognize, this is a Gentile. This is not a Jew. At that time, it was the Jewish people that had God. You had to come to Jerusalem to worship. You had to go through that law. But we know what Jesus did. And we know what the disciples now have been, have been saying and proclaiming about Jesus coming, fulfilling the law, and then salvation through grace. But recognize what's going on at the time here. But this this Gentile, this leader in the Roman army, saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror. What is it, Lord? You know, it's kind of like he was saying, I'm scared and I'm confused. Who are you? And this angel said to him, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Which is proof that God listened to Gentiles long before they were accepted by men. And now send me 
And now send men to Joppa and bring one Simon, who is called Peter, the Apostle Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke, who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Notice this centurion's immediate obedience. I want you to recognize something before we get into the rest of this of what happened. The steps that led up to what happened were important. And the first of those steps was obedience. There was a recognition that this centurion had in this this angel speaking with him. First, he recognized the importance of that. He recognized the voice and what he saw was something that he had to act upon. Now he had a choice. He had a choice to to obey or not obey in doing that. See, in our own lives, we have the same things happen. God speaks to us all the time. It's oftentimes we don't recognize His voice. We don't understand what He's saying. Perhaps we're not listening. Don't ever attribute it to the fact that He's not speaking. Because He speaks with boldness to each one of you. So in this recognition of of who this was, remember He was seeking after God. And what did God say when you seek Him? You find Him, right? When we seek God, we find God. He was seeking God. He was praying to Him. He was going after Him. And so He then was obedient in following through that. Verse 9. The next day, now the, the situation changes. If you're watching a TV show, you just morphed to another scene. Okay? This is Peter now. The one who who the angel told him to come get. But now, you know, forward over to where Peter is. The next day, as they were on their journey, the people that the centurion had sent, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. I I, I don't know if that was like a shadow of things to come, but... You know, how often do we fall asleep when we, when we go to watch TV? You know, maybe that's what Peter was doing. Maybe he, he, he's just sitting there waiting, waiting for something to eat because he's so hungry. And, and you ever kind of zone out when you're just sitting there waiting for something? I don't know what kind of trance this was because it doesn't say it was a dream. So he didn't fall asleep. It also doesn't say it was a vision. But nonetheless, you'll see in a moment how real it was. So he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open up. And something like a great sheet descended, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. Picture in your mind what this looks like. Peter's up on on top of the roof. Perhaps he was spending time with the Lord. Perhaps he was just... Telling his stomach to stop growling. I don't know. But he falls into this trance. It wasn't a dream. So his eyes are open. And he sees up in the, in the clouds 
this giant sheet. Picture a sheet off your bed, but this giant sheet being held up by four corners, descending down. Picture this from Peter's standpoint. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now immediately, immediately, know what, and notice what happened here. Peter, when he heard that voice, he immediately recognized that voice. He didn't, it wasn't a matter of, wait a second, are, are you from God or are you from the enemy? Right? He knew the voice right away. He knew who it was that was speaking to him right away because his answer is a little shocking. But Peter says, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. In other words, he's saying, Lord, no way. I, I've never defiled this body. Thinking back of what the law was, I've never taken in anything in this body that would defile you. No, Lord. I don't know about you, I think that's kind of defiling, right? But, but that, that was Peter. That was Peter. You know, step out before you speak. <laughs> that was Peter. So he says, no, Lord. Jesus said, what God has made clean, do not call common or unclean. I love the beginning of verse 16. This happened three times. And, and then the thing was taken up at once to heaven. I love that because it gives us clearance to be human. Right? How many times do you not get it? The first? Wow. Oh, this just hit me. It took three times. Okay, I was just going to make fun of Peter. Now I have to make fun of myself. Because see, it took Peter three times when the Lord said, Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. You know, take care of my sheep. It took him three times before he got it. This time it took him three times before he got it. I remember the first when the Lord told me to close the business down, I was like, oh, okay, Lord. No. <laughs> Six months later, close the business down. Okay, Lord, I, I will. I'm going to do that. I'm going to start working on that right away and start doing it. And then all of a sudden I get contracts. Oh, well, Lord, maybe, maybe you meant later. Maybe you meant after the contract. Then the third time, look, I told you twice already, close it down. Yes, Lord. How often do we do that? How, and, and, and sometimes it takes more than three times. I don't know. But bottom line is, God's grace allows the extra times. Why? Because His heart wants you. And when you cry out to Him and say, Lord, I want Your will in my life. That's a very dangerous thing to say if you want to stay in control of your life. If you feel you can control your life, then don't say that. Because when you say, I want you, Lord, I trust you, I want your will, he then, the first thing he's going to do is say, if you want my will, then you cannot have your will. You cannot have your way. 
He's saying to Peter here, Peter, I need you to go and do this. Go kill and eat. You're hungry, dude. Here's food. Go and eat. Now, I, I don't know. I said reptiles and birds of the air. and Maybe they didn't look that good to Peter. I don't know. How many have eaten a snake? Yeah, I keep watching these survival shows thinking, I wonder what that would taste like. So maybe, maybe Peter's looking at this and say, Lord, the lizard doesn't look that good to me. You know, I, I don't know. But bottom line, it happened three times. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. <laughs> I love this. It left Peter inwardly perplexed. Peter's like, what in the world just happened? I'm hungry and you show me things I can't eat. Are you teasing me, Lord? Now while Peter was... This is verse 17. Now while Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter was lodging there. See, I love how God does this because when we cannot figure something out ourselves, He puts someone in line right there to help us figure it out if we're seeking Him. He knew Peter's heart was that he wanted God's will. He also knew by previous times together that it takes a little bit to get Peter to understand which, by the way, that doesn't mean Peter is thick-headed. That just means he's like us. Right? So, so with God knowing what needed to happen, He's telling Peter, and then He's bringing His backup plan right behind to prove everything out. Right? Verse 19, While Peter was pondering the vision, probably sitting there really confused, the Spirit said to him, notice the Spirit is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are looking for you. Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter immediately obeyed. Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who is well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So he invited them in to be his guests. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. Some of, some of these other uh, uh, Jews that were with, with Peter. Now before we get into getting to Cornelius' house, understand the obedience that that had to take. Okay? Recognize Peter's life. Peter was raised and he had been a Jew his, his whole life under the law. Imagine the radical change in his life going on. He was living with a tanner. Do you know what that is? It's, it's, it's a person who makes tans for clothes. That means 
they kill these animals, they strip the skin from their bodies, they lay it out for drying, they turn it into clothes, or, or at least turn it into sell it that becomes clothes. See, to a Jew, that was horrific. To a Jew, they could not be around that blood. For, for Peter already to be staying with a tanner was way different. Way out of his comfort zone. Way out of his paradigm. And so God thought, okay, we've already got him on this road. Let's throw him another one. Why don't you eat this stuff that you can't eat? <laughs> Imagine Peter's thought process here. I want to point it out because it's the obedience that's critical. It's not the understanding. Peter did not understand why he was to leave. He just knew he was to be obedient. That's all. In fact, he even fought against the change. But he was obedient in allowing the change to happen. Where are you in your own life? Has God been telling you and speaking to you and encouraging you change? Encouraging you to even seek Him in different ways or in stronger ways. Spending more time with Him, going after Him. Is He encouraging you in that way? And are you resisting? I know for me, when He first told me to close the business, my resistance was over a year and a half from the first time to the final decision to do it. How long do we resist Him? See, He sees the end from the beginning. He knows that we need certain things in our life to fulfill His will. And when we say, I seek you period, do in, your, do in my life what you want, then how dare us step back and say, well, yeah, except for this. You know, except for, for the fact that you're going to make me eat something I haven't eaten my whole life. That'll defile me. And Jesus is saying, no, that'll liberate you. In your own life, He's telling you, I have something for you that you think will be bad. And He's saying it will liberate you. See, sometimes we, we make decisions in our own lives that we feel will encumber us or put us at risk. Wow, this, this is a big one. I mean, careers. That's a big one. And that's a tough one, by the way. Because in our life, as we're raised in, in America, it's about survival of the fittest. It's about you are who your job is. Boy, I hope not. <laughs> that's such a sad commentary. And it's not just jobs. It's the identity with which you perceive yourself and you feel the world perceives you. See, a Christian is not supposed to look through a lens of this is what I want to look like to the world. I want to look cool. I want to be cool. 
I want to drive the right car. I want to listen to the right music. I want to yo, 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 what it, I don't know. Now, by the way, I'm not down in all that stuff. I love, I love the youth. Still can't do it. See, I don't even know what that was. I just know I am speaking from the Lord's court right now. But see, how you decide to put your persona together is your first mistake. How you decide what is good and what is bad before the Lord is your first mistake. You want to let Him decide that. You want to let Him decide what pathway you take in life. And, and I'm speaking too to young people that, that have not gone down paths yet. That are just at a point in your life where you're deciding, do I want to go here? Do I want to go there? Which direction, direction am I to go? I want to encourage you. Right now is the easiest time in your life to step out of the boat and let the Lord do what He wants to in your life. Because, see, you don't have baggage. And what I mean by baggage, I mean those things that can hold you down from doing what the Lord wants you to do. So for you, it's much easier. But how about for those of us that are slightly older like myself? (laughs) Yes, thank you. See, it's not easy, but it doesn't mean it's any less required. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, it's not an easy life. See, the world will hate you. Why? Because it hated me first. And if you want to become a representation of me, then it will hate you like it hated me, is what Jesus said. You will have trouble. He promises that. You will have unspeakable joy and peace and love. He promises that too. See, we've experienced that. And, and oh, just what He wants to do in your life begins with obedience. I don't even remember where we are. Uh... Okay, verse 24 maybe. Yeah. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. See, imagine Cornelius' mind now. He's thinking, God said He has something for me and this guy's going to have it. Go get him! And now he's coming. You can imagine how excited he is. Just invite everybody. Get all the family here. Get all our friends here. We're going to sit here and listen to what the Lord has. That's that's Cornelius' mind. Peter's mind is going there like, I'm not sure why I'm coming here, but the Lord will speak. How's that? What's that sound like? That's how I live every Sunday morning. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up, I too am a man. 
As he talked with him, he went in and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. Notice that Peter began to get it. Peter began to understand it was not about the food, but it was about what he was going to do. It was about the opening up of the love of God for the world. And the recognition of those who are His disciples to understand that everybody is important to God. Everyone has equal opportunity with God. You ever think about that? You know, we talk about, in times past, we talk about rewards. We talk about effectiveness of God and, and, and about how in the, in the millennium, in the eternity, that we will be able to live with those rewards based on what we did here. And then I think in my mind, you know, I've been to Africa many times and we, we have a work going there. And, and I think many times of, of somebody, of one of those villagers in, in way out in the bush in this small village that may in their whole lifetime never know more than 50 to 100 people. Do those promises apply to them? I mean, if they don't have opportunity, then how is it that they can have the same thing I can have with opportunity? And, and what Peter is now beginning to realize is it is based off of that person and not off of what he thought in his paradigm. That everybody had to come through the same place. Everybody had to go the same path, which is what the law required. But see, now God opened it up to where you are judged on your path. On what He has given you to do. That's what you're going to be given rewards for. You're not judged on my path. I'm not judged on your path. Each of us is called to a specific path to walk down, and you will be, whether you accept it or not, by the way, you will be judged upon that path. Not judged in terms of sin. Because when you accept Jesus Christ as Savior, you have escaped the white throne judgment. But you will be judged in terms of rewards. And those rewards are based on what God had for you. If you ever wonder about that, read the parable of the talents. Where servants were given different amounts, they were judged what? On those amounts. They were judged on what God had given them to do. Did they do it? Were they obedient? So there is one, a recognition of what God is saying to you. That was the first thing with Peter. The recognition and understanding that something's changing. And then the second was obedience. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I'll step. I'll do it. I'll do it. If it, if it means anything, it doesn't matter. I'll do it. In this case, Peter's saying, 
this is something that they were not allowed to do. He was not allowed to go and stay in this man's house, according to Jewish law. He would be ridiculed for this. I mean, Peter probably figured, I'm ridiculed anyways. As long as I'm right before the Lord, I really don't care. I think that was his attitude. I think that's a good attitude to have. Verse 29, So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Which he probably would have had a different, a different reaction if he hadn't had that, that uh, division in the trance, right? And Cornelius said, four days ago, so he's telling Peter what happened, four days ago, about this hour I was praying in my house at the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. See, it's about that moment. And man, I I, I know what he feels like. It's about that moment that this light goes off in Peter's head. Oh, that's why you have me here. Okay, okay. You know, I often wonder if Jesus doesn't tell us things ahead of time because we'll blab it. And He doesn't want the enemy to know it. So all He said to the disciples before He ascended to heaven is He said, He said, go out and speak. Don't worry, the Holy, Holy Spirit will speak through you at the moment. He'll tell you what you need to know right then. That is not just for pastors, by the way. That is ju- not just for Peter the, the Apostle. That's for you. That's for each one of us to have the confidence in stepping where He wants us to step. He'll give us 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 9:8. He'll give us everything we need for that journey, but then he'll also give us the words. He'll give us the passion. He'll give us everything we need to say. Verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, "Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality." But in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He has sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. You yourselves know what happened through all all Judea. So Peter starts preaching. He said, okay, Lord. You want me to preach, I'll preach. I'll tell of who you are. I'll tell of your son that came and died on the cross because they all know that. What they don't know is that I saw him rise from the dead. He spoke to me. I jumped into the water after him. So that's what Peter starts sharing. He starts speaking to them. He says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with Him. 
And we are all witnesses of all that He did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put Him to death by hanging Him on a tree. But God raised Him on the third day and made Him to appear. Not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. See, Peter started declaring the Gospel. Peter started declaring that by them sitting there in their seats right then, their lives could change. They could begin to walk down a new path. They could begin to walk down a path that was out of their comfort zone, but that path that led to life. Peter's just telling them about his best friend. He's just telling them about Jesus. This is coming from a man that, that firsthand saw Jesus rise from the grave. Spent 40 days seeing Him walk about the earth. Firsthand. I love what happens next. What happens next changed history. What happens next changed history the potential for your life and mine. Verse 44, While Peter was still saying these things, see, he didn't even have an altar call. <laughs> he's just right in the middle of what he's preaching. Preaching Jesus. Preaching His forgiveness of sins through the name of Jesus. He's preaching this salvation that could be theirs by simple obedience and acceptance. 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the Word. Picture that. Picture that. See the... The thing is, Peter had gone through this once before. This happened at Pentecost to 120 Jews. But this was different. This was different because God had opened it up to the rest of the world. He opened it up to you and to me. And what was happening there was significant. The Spirit fell on each who heard the Word. And the believers from among the circumcised, those who were, who were Jewish who had come with Peter, were all amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speak in tongues and extolling God. That word extolling there means raising up His name, lifting up His name, worshiping Him. Now remember moments before, they didn't even know who He was. 
They had heard all the stories. They had known of this Jesus that, that walked about the earth and, and was slain. They had certainly heard, as Peter said, about John's baptism, this baptism of, of, uh, of forgiveness, baptism by water, and, and this coming of the Messiah. They certainly heard about that. But upon hearing Jesus Christ raising from the dead and offering forgiveness of sins, there was a reaction. How hungry is this world for Him? And they don't even know it. I watch TV and the news and I see this world, this broken world that He's the answer for. I talked to Andrew over in Nigeria and I mean the the last six months we did our report for the Jesus film and and in the last six months there were almost 2,300 people that came to know the Lord through Andrew's and Comfort's efforts. And that's just, we hadn't even started the other two projectors yet. We hadn't even trained the other groups yet. How hungry is a world to know Him? But you know, the world's always been hungry. That's not just what happened here. The hunger had already been there with Cornelius. See, Cornelius had been praying for a long time, showing his hunger. So it wasn't about the hunger. It's not about those 2,300 people in Nigeria that have accepted Jesus Christ. It's not about the thousands upon thousands upon millions that have accepted Jesus Christ for years, for decades, for centuries, for for millennia. See, it's not about that because Jesus said, I am here to do something new. And that new thing that He wants to do is to bring that relationship to those people. To recognize that it's not just an acceptance and 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 something that we just follow. Like, give me a list of things that I'm supposed to do and I'll give you my five minutes, you know, in in your Word. And, and, and man, that's not what Jesus wants. And He said it so specifically. He said, if you want to be My disciple, I need all of you. Period. All of you. I need your will. I need your choices. I need your finances. I need everything to be Mine. And and He'll tell us what to do. See, That's the easy part. The hard part is the obedience in it. But see, he had already been hungry. He and his people were already hungry for God. They were already asking God to do this. So by the time Peter came and he he started preaching that, their hearts broke out. Right in the middle of Peter preaching. Here comes the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did not do that because... He wanted to do it and was just forced to do it. The Holy Spirit did it because He was invited. And by the way, they didn't even know. They didn't even know to invite Him. 
So it's not a matter of learning what you can learn so you can be ready to do what God wants you to do. Every single person here, to the youngest, well, maybe not Zeke, he doesn't talk yet. He's getting there though, that's right. But every person can say, yes Lord, I give you my life. Take and do with it what you will. I'm hungry for you. When you say that, you are inviting the Holy Spirit into your life, whether you realize it or not. When we say and declare before the Lord that we want Your will for Ignition Church, we are inviting the Holy Spirit whether we think so or not. When you sit in your prayer closet and you say, Lord, I want Your will. You know my life. You know those walls. You know those blocks. You know the things that I think are in my way. But I give you my life. You are inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to come into your heart and operate in power. Because see, God looks at your heart. He looks at the heart. He doesn't look at your accomplishments. He doesn't look at your looks. He looks at your heart. And praise God He does. Because we screw up all the time. But He sees a heart that wants Him and invites the Holy Spirit whether they think that's what they're doing or not. And the Holy Spirit comes. That's what it said here. While Peter was still saying this, these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the Word. And then at the end, verse 47, Peter said, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Him to remain for some days. Wow. What an extraordinary thing. What a turnaround in the lives of people that didn't think they deserved it. See, because back then He's praying to the Lord. He knows. He knows that the God of Israel is the true God, because that's who he's praying to, this, this centurion. But he knew that he could only reach them and worship God through them, through the law. That's, that's all he knew. But he wanted God. His heart wanted God. He was in obedience to what he knew. And then the Lord came and changed everything. Changed everything like that. It wasn't over a six-month period where, okay, hey, you know, I'm going to get you started on some classes. Teach who Jesus is. I'm going to, I'm going to get you started on these things, develop a few relationships, and, and when you're comfortable, then we'll get, you, we'll get you doing my will. I mean, it kind of sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud. But yet, every day that's what we say to Him. 
Lord, my comfort level is like right here. Let's get it up here, you know, before I take that step. He's looking for people. Like Peter. Foot in the mouth, Peter. He's looking for people willing to do what God says regardless of how it may look. And that's, that's who Peter was. I mean, God, Jesus, he's on the shore. He's a hundred... Okay. Dives into the boat. He wasn't going to wait for him to row the boat in. He dives in to go see Jesus. You know, he was first to say, I will not deny you. Lord, I love you. You're in my heart. I'm not going to deny you. Jesus said, yeah, you're going to. You're going to. See, because the Lord needed it to go from here to here. Because when it got to here, nothing else mattered. Because then Peter saw reality for what reality was. When you get to the point of having God giving Him your yes in your heart, you will see reality for what it is. It is not what you see around you. It is not even the time frame that you see around you. Reality is that God has a plan for your life to affect your life later. Do you think He needs any one of us to get His Word out? No, He could find anybody to do that. He could do it Himself if if He chose to. It says in the Word of God that the heavens declare His glory. So every day, He shouts out who He is. He doesn't need us to do that. He wants us to do that. He wants us to do that for our sakes. He wants to build relationship with us for His sake and our sake. So I want to encourage you. You know steps. When you listen to the Lord and you pray and you ask for Him, you know, you know what He's saying. Or you have an idea. At the very least, if you're not sure, say, Lord, confirm that to me. You know, I won't say what the example is, but, but the, it, it, a good way to do this is what Corey did with the elders this past week. Feels the Lord is telling him something and, and, and every part of him just wants to be obedient to what the Lord has. And so he asked the elders, please pray. Pray with me. Because I want a confirmation. You know, that's the right step. That's the right step. And guess what? The Lord will confirm it. He'll confirm it in His timing. And then, when you step in obedience, God moves in amazing ways. I can tell you this from experience. God will move in your life in amazing ways when you just say yes and you step out in obedience to Him. That's what He wants here. 
what He has called this church to be is not one person or two people or a few people doing what He wants. He needs this army to do what He wants. There is not a soul in here who is any less important to that plan. I was speaking to some of the, some of the college age leaders yesterday and, and I said, you know, when, when we're 50 or 60 people, it feels like you need a few leaders within that 50 or 60 people. And I said, you need to look at this differently. Right? Because what if all of a sudden you're plugged into 300 people? Wow, now all 50 of those people become leaders. Simply because of the culture that God is building here and growing here is what He wants to grow and spread throughout. So every single one of us is important to that culture. Every single one of us is important to the growth of that plan. You have a purpose here. You have a purpose being a part of this. That purpose is leadership. Leadership requires sacrifice. Leadership requires obedience. Leadership requires what Cornelius did, praying before the Lord, I want you. Same with Peter. And then being willing to recognize, even if it takes three times, being willing to recognize, this is you, Lord. I trust you. I step. And then I will remind you that you had me do this. And by the way, that's okay. I remind him all the time. Lord, you're the one that told me to close my business. Here, here's a bill. You take care of this one. It's okay. He wants you to remind him. Isaiah 43. Remind him. Remind him of his promises. When you step out in bold faith, remind Him that that was not an easy decision for you, but you love Him and you did it out of obedience. Then put it on Him. Trust Him. Trust Him for what He'll do. Don't take it back. Because you're going to be tempted to. Don't take it back. When, when, when He has you step out of your comfort zone, and, and whatever it is, I mean, it's easy to use a career-related thing, but, but it, it could be almost anything. It could be in a relationship. It could be in a relationship with, with somebody that you've had for a long time. It could be in school. It could be in your pathway, what you're studying in school. It could be in sports. It, it could be in anything. Because He doesn't just give you one thing to be obedient in. Because I promise you this, when you give Him your yes and you stand obedient in what He gives you, guess what? He's going to give you something else. He's going to give you something else and then when you do it, He'll give you something else and you'll continue walking. As you walk in this obedience, there's something that happens. There is this power of this invited Holy Spirit that comes upon your life where you look back and you don't even recognize who you were just a short time ago. I don't even recognize who I was five years ago. I, I, I mean, oftentimes I don't even recognize who I was six months ago. 
Because when the Lord takes you through these new and amazing and eye-opening things, it's like the, the six-month-ago person didn't know that. How did I know, not know that? But praise God, through obedience you show me. See, he's opening things up in this group right here. Don't ever belittle that. Don't ever ignore it. Because he is going to use it to change the world. Do you understand that? Do you really believe that? See, Peter had to believe that before he was willing to be obedient in that. And what Peter may not have realized at the moment, the impact of what was happening, opening up the gospel to the Gentiles, or perhaps he did, but yet that moment came from his obedience, his recognition and his obedience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship You and we praise You, God. You are Almighty God. And I am so thankful. I am so thankful for what You do. I pray a thickness of Your Spirit in each life this morning. Those who have been crying out to You, saying they want Your will, They want that relationship. God, I ask before Your courts for that power of Your Holy Spirit to come and change their lives. Infuse in them that love, that joy, that peace, knowing that You are everything. We love you, Father, so much. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. This is when I get frustrated. Don't give a teacher or preacher and insisting on my sharing what the Holy Spirit's has on my heart. My head is just exploding after that message. It, it's it's exactly what that you see that little line that says God is doing does a new thing. The new thing that God is doing is exactly what Greg described. It is abandon. You know, God works through people. So the new thing that he is plowing right now is through the new paradigm of complete abandon and yes it's so interesting how um because you you just mentioned so many things it's just really difficult i should just go into announcements um you see he says no see some of you would be like yeah just go ahead and announce um one of the new things is not putting limits on if the holy spirit does want to say something on a time constraint which you know that's getting rid of the church mentality in my mind because i'm like we're going over an hour. Services, a perfect service is an hour. And Greg's like, no, we're never ever going to be that way. And, and I agree. It's just really hard to unchurch yourself. But um, I'm telling you, the new thing, when somebody gives God your yes, that yes results in 
an action in a decision in a walk that then affects somebody else's yes, it's like things get crossed in different ways. Um, Corey's obedience from what he shared with the elders and then shared yesterday at the gifts meeting of doing what God asked him to do, which brought him to an old church. And without giving you that story, he was obedient in something that was a piece of a puzzle that another person, unrelated to anybody knowing anything about that, was obedient to God, who went on that same property and prayed at that church that gave us an answer to a perplexing situation when we happened to be on that property for a situation. And it's like God's putting these interesting pieces together, all from people who, in their own obedience and on their own walk, said yes. And God weaves together a beautiful puzzle of, like this morning, you know, even the simplicity of teaching a Sunday school class. I said yes, Peter said yes, Colin said yes to teaching our classes. So God was able to, through that yes, speak to someone else who said yes to be there, to sit in that seat, and God could speak, and then that results in another yes. You see what I'm saying? That is how he plows new ground, is through people having in a mindset of an abandon to him. It, it's, it's extraordinary, really, because it's almost like, well, doesn't every Christian just, I mean, you're supposed to surrender. I surrender all, I surrender. You know, like I grew up singing that song. And yet, as I look back, I mean, talk about the six months ago person. I'm like, I look back and I go, I know those people were great. I was saved in that church. But was anybody really surrendered? I think they were surrendered to the way that church flowed. And everybody was in conformity (laughs) to that church, not necessarily into an abandoned surrender to God. Clearly, from the story in Acts today, Peter had to abandon everything he knew to be the way it's done. Because God said no. How about just obey me? Forget about what's done and what's not done. Obey me and you will see the result will be extraordinary. If we continue to manage our lives in a way that's manageable within our comfort zones, we're going to manage God right out of our lives. That's where comfort zones are so dangerous. Because it's like, okay, well, this is all I can manage right now. Great. Manage your life. God doesn't need to be there when you're managing it. He wants to manage it. So you have to kind of be hanging off a cliff to have a God management take over in your life. He's the ultimate manager. And I just find this concept, because today I guess the reason why my brain was exploding is I'm thinking, man, God, I have been stuck in a, I try to, in my my fleshly Eve-like, you know, I have the garden, and it's like that tree is driving me crazy, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, man. That's just the one I'm intrigued with because I don't know about that. I can't touch that. And I get that. I get that desire. You know, we want, we trust God, but we kind of want to know what we don't know, and we want to have a piece of something we don't yet have. And it's like this this idea that God is is going to do these amazing things. You know, we want to control things, and I'm just like, I'm looking and I'm going, okay, this new thing isn't a new ministry. It isn't a global one versus a, there's so many, so many different models out there. God's not developing a new model in ignition. He's developing an entirely fundamentally new way to shed off everything of this life and follow him. And let him really take the driver's seat. You know, every phrase we use has been coined somewhere. 
Jesus, take the wheel. You know, let God be in the driver's seat. You know, don't put God in a box. Those are all posters somewhere. It's really just this attitude, though, of truly, when it comes right down to it, and, and Greg just, can, you know, he just, every, everything he said, it was like, you know, because it's like, yes, these are things we know, but we don't know them to the point where they transform our lives. And for God to do a new thing through us just requires every single day taking that step. And then, like he said, going to the next step, and then we're faced with a new step. Is it going to be God? Is it going to be me? Okay, God, I'll give you that one. Then there's time for the next step. Is it going to be God? Is it going to be me? Is it going to be Satan? You know, it's just that's how new ground gets plowed. And so it's, um, I know you maybe don't think like me. Don't make it more complicated than it needs to be because the beautiful pieces that God is weaving together through each of us, you do not know how much, even if I don't directly have like conversations with you, I'm a very keen observer and I learn through many of your lives. Uh, I learn through your struggles. I learn through things you say. I learn through how I watch you talk to one another. And it's interesting how much that is more prevalent than you might think. Your yes, your hunger, your attitude for God, it, it just it breathes out to other people. And so that's how the unity together in our yeses really moves a, a vision and a mission forward. And you, you will flow into people's lives in ways you don't even know when you're just saying yes to God. This is the epitome of the concept that has been on my heart that is why I know God gave the ladies' retreat name, Passionate Pursuit. Because it's the concept of pursuing God with a passion, not pursuing God with a motivation. You can do any kind of rah-rah. I mean, we could have a Red Bull con- you know, uh, conference where everybody just gets jacked up on a little can, and then we just cheer, and we're just doing great. You know, We just wait till we crash. And it's all manufactured in our flesh. That's not what God wants. He, the only thing that gives, gives an igniting of true passion is the Holy Spirit of God himself. But it comes from that hunger. It comes from the yeses. Because there are very little things that we'll be necessarily in the mood for at the time. And to passionately pursue him really is a, an abandon. I mean, most of you, I know what a fight it was to get out of bed this morning. You know, that was a yes. That may have been a small yes. But it was like, you know, to just get here, whatever obstacles you have um, to get here. You know, even maybe getting up wasn't the problem. Maybe it was just getting out in the cold, getting in your car. You know, you're going to be faced with, you know, Ruth and Colin and Marty and Ariel and Gabe are going to be faced with having to leave their house (laughs) to go to church. Not now, but pretty soon. They're going to have to leave. And, uh, you know, and and honestly, that's going to be a challenge. I mean, we got to pray for them. They, uh, it's, I'm serious. Can you imagine being able to just come downstairs? Now, there will be other burdens lightened, but it'll be a new burden to have to get in a car on time and drive to a location. That's going to be a challenge that we have now to come here. But it's just the little yeses that culminate into the big things. And I, I just really hope that I say this all the time, but man, listen to this message again and ask God, you know, Whatever you think is, is hindering you from really moving forward, you know, we want pieces of God. I see your prayer requests on God's squad. We all want to be prayed for. God, help me. You know, pray for me with this. I want this. I need this. God, I'm struggling with this. I need. He wants to bless us with all spiritual blessings. He wants to answer all prayer. But you know what he requires of us is that total abandon. We want pieces of God without being all in. 
We want the benefit. It's kind of like if I, if he even had money, if I wanted his money, if I wanted his money, but I didn't want him. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, marriages like that. They want the benefits. They maybe want the security, but they don't really want the man. And that's why relationships dry up. Okay. So that's, that's, you know, because marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. It is. It's a, it's a picture of that relationship. And that's why it's all been disintegrated and it's been toxic. I mean, you say the word marriage now and it's like it's like one of the one of the lower cuss words. It's a sad thing. People don't see it as a beautiful thing. And Satan has done it that way on purpose. He's made everything about it something that's just like, ew, I do not want that. Well, let's just live together. It works better. And God is. You know, he wants to show the beauty of the way that he designed things, but he's, he's got to be all in. The only way that it's worked, you know, and thank you for your kind words at the beginning. They were so true. Sacrifice. No, I'm just kidding. Um, just living with this guy. No, no, no. It's so great. Um, yeah, he, he, he's going to make a list of what I owe him on May, May 11th for his. But it's true. If we didn't, if we didn't, if we weren't all in, it's, there's no 50-50. It's 100-100. It's, it's real, and that's what God expects. You can't just extract the benefits that you want from a relationship and then expect to have the beauty of the entire relationship. It's got to be all in, and that's what God wants from us. But remember, yes, there's a cost, but there's such a benefit. There's such a benefit. And that, that is the epitome of the new thing. That's the new thing. That is the global sweeping new thing because the results of that yes are in God's hands and I hope that you'll be get excited about that because you know there's a lot of really cool things about being out of your comfort zone I don't love comfort zone stretchings you know I tend to be a very tight managerial kind of person and and so and that's what he was talking about his gift of faith versus my gift of caution <laughs> no it's not a gift I wish it was but um you know that's he he we help each other you know, I, I take him down from 50,000 feet, and he pulls me up to that, and, and we work together in that way. And God is doing great things in my faith, and I'm excited about that. But, um, but God is, is, he has great things out of our comfort zone that sometimes we think are fearful. And everybody's comfort zone is different. So whatever your barriers are, just give it to him today. And um, I'm so excited about the, the brochure being done. Isaac, you played um, uh, Usher for us today. So right on the corner there, would you pass out those brochures? And I want every woman to get about four or five. So I know I'm so calling you out right now. If you were not paying attention, I'm waking you up. <laughs> Thank you. Listen.